About who belongs to whom? 
spirit who ruleth over all i and i give onks and give praise you know for another breath of life and yeah big up the whole jawworks radio family tonight as you can tell we're running on a different tip from the very beginning right here in the background we got ensemble pachamama named you know for the divinity the divine earth mama of the peruvian people of the andes before this, we had Midnight with Southeastern Moon from the Jubilees of Zion CD. And family, once again, this is Jalworks Radio. Tuning in live and direct. WIUV 91.3 Castleton University. Or broadcast also syndicated at KIDE Hoopa Tribal Radio 91.3 in Hoopa, California. Big up, Natina Way. Also found on Onyx FM in Calabar, Nigeria. ReggaeWorldMusic.com. Rude Boy Radio 808 out of Hawaii, cabmusicradio.com. You know, big up the family out there in Orlando. And of course, you know, jowworksradio.com is the homepage. We're brought to the family this week by 44parallelsuperfoods.com, bringing the healing chaga and the healing maca for the family worldwide. So definitely give us a shout, you know, 44parallelsuperfoods.com. 
and we give thanks in advance and uh yeah honored to provide the healing you know in the music musical form and in the herbal form as well and family tonight we have a very 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 special guest with us tonight uh by the name of lester loving uh before we bring the brother in i want to bring in my co-host rossi eric l let's pot him up here rossi you with us brethren yeah, can you hear me now better? All right, all right, yes, 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 beautiful song, Zero. Yeah, I'm here with you, brother. It's, it's, a, it's a man of an awesome night to have Southern Left on with us. And, uh, yeah, man, without further ado, hey, Ross, uh, please. Yeah, Ross, your, your, your line's a little, can you get a little closer to the phone? You sound a little distant. Oh, oh yeah, that. that's that's perfect. Perfect. All right, brother. Yeah. All right, yeah. So, uh, give honks. So, family. Uh, before we introduce Lester Loving, I just want to uh, once again greet everyone. You know, in much love and much light in this time. And uh, yeah, this is this is a reasoning session, uh, extended series. You know, of our reasoning series here on Jawworks Radio. We started this series a couple years ago, actually, with you, Eric L. Uh, so we're gonna you know continue, and we got the brother Lester Loving online from new york i believe he's in new york but let's let's pot him out we'll find out a little more lester loving are you with us brethren i certainly am all right well welcome to jowworks radio man we're, we're honored to have you with us it's my pleasure to be here are you in new york right now i certainly am yes jamaica okay all right well, <laughs> i like that well man uh I think a lot of our listeners may or may not be familiar with your works, you know, so um, what I'd like to do just to start out is if you can just give us a brief, brief synopsis of, you know, who you are and, and what you do in terms of, you know, your, your healing with the pyramids and, and the water. Okay. Well, very, very briefly, um, uh, I, I was educated by my great-grandmother, for about 10 years of my early childhood. And so as a young adult, I thought that I was going to go out into the world and uh, raise some natural vegetables. And I ran into three things, the magnet, the crystal, and the pyramid that completely blew my mind. And unlike many people uh, that use the pyramids for metaphysical reasons today, I started out by using it for over my gardens and I can talk about that a little bit, but um, some of the effects that I saw defied conventional science and uh, I had my Scooby-Doo moment. Of, and so, uh, uh, so that's, that's, that, that was the beginning of my investigation. Wow. That's, that's, that's powerful. What, you know, you, you said you, uh, you studied with your, with your grandmother that was was you were you homeschooled by her um actually she she just showed up into my life when I was seven years old and informed me that she was going to educate me as to everything she knew about herbs and gardening. Um, she was known as the herb doctor of Memphis mm. and had been taught by the native uh american tribe tribal people that lived there. And so she showed up when I was seven and she was 89 and came back every year 
to garden with me until she was 99. So she didn't talk and, and, you know, teach me in a book. We went out to the garden and we looked at the, we looked at the worms, we looked at the earth, we looked at the birds, we looked at the moon because she talked a great deal about the effect of the moon on gardening. Um, and so right here in New York City, I got a whole education on the earth and our connection with her. Wow. Well, you know, I think it's it's uh, only right if we can maybe start out just talking a little bit about the moon because uh, we, we started with a track called Southeastern Moon from Midnight. Mm-hmm. We got a full moon booming out there tonight, and uh, and you bring it up once again. So maybe we'll, we'll run with that, you know, for a little bit. Can you can you Absolutely. you know expound a little bit on how how the moon does affect you know gardening because I think a lot of people really don't know about that too much, as well as I've heard you mention before something along the lines of uh, the moon being a giant quartz crystal. Can you expound on those two ideas? Oh, alrighty. Well, see, once again, um, you know, we're all familiar with those images of those footprints on the moon that the astronauts left. Well, at least people from my generation are. Um, But in fact, uh, the moon is covered with dust from a lot of the, where the asteroids and meteorites have hit her. But if you go about two feet down, you will hit a giant ball of obsidian. And so the moon is a, a giant ball of obsidian, which is made from volcanic action. So, um, and of course, we know that obsidian is used for uh, pulling uh, emotional content from the human body to the surface where it can be dealt with. Uh, as, as far as the effect of the moon on the earth, we don't have to go any further than looking at the tides. The fact of the matter is, is that as the moon goes over the surface of the earth, she pulls all the water on the earth toward her. So, that on the side of the earth that the moon is directly facing, that's where you have the high tide. And then of course she's pulling all the water. So on the opposite side of the earth, that's where you'll have low tide. And in fact, it's not just that the, that the moon pulls all the water toward her um, up six inches, but also pulls all the continents um as well, the continents actually rise several inches when the moon is facing the earth. And as far as gardening is concerned, um, the phase of the moon also plays a great role in the effect of gardening, which is to say that you would want to um, plant your vegetables that have uh, um that have product above the ground, you want to plant that from the new moon to the full moon and vegetables that grow underneath the ground, you want to plant from the full moon to the new moon. Um, the only vegetable that is completely ruled by the moon is, is onions. And how do you, I mean, you always hear people talking about the, how, how, how the moon affects people's behaviors as well. And my, my wife uh, yeah. works, she's a nurse at a birthing center, and she worked today. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it, it goes without fail that 
a full moon is always going to be busy. There's babies are popping out in the full moon uh, without fail. Mm-hmm. And interesting things like that going on. And then you got, of course, the, the whole legend of the lunatic and everything. But right. you know, a lot of people sense a powerful energy, you know, in, in a positive way, you know, from that moon as well. I mean, how, do, how does it, fe- from a scientific perspective, you know, how does that, how, what explanation is there in terms of how it affects human behavior? All right. Well, you see, um, well, what, what we, what, from a scientific perspective, we, we, we're going to look at this from the aspect of light, specifically sunlight. And what we know about light is that light, um, light travels in a straight line, but it radiates out in a 360-degree pattern from that straight line. Um, however, when, when that sunlight hits the full moon, that light becomes polarized, which is a big fancy word that means that instead of the light going in a 360-degree pattern, it'll be shortened and it'll only go in a very short pattern. It'll only go in one direction. And anytime that you polarize light, you're going to generate positive ions. Positive ions slow down the rate of digestion, um, if we're off balance, it'll slow down the rate of digestion. It, it'll make us more prone to anger. Um, uh, it attracts smoke, dust, and pollen. It, you know, it's it, it's just not um, the best conditions for human life. On the other hand, for those people who are balanced, those uh, positive ions um, will help with getting rid of any negative bacteria. Um, It's an expungent. In other words, it helps us to get rid of um, waste products from the body. So it can work in either the positive or the negative. Um, But that that is the reason uh, why um, we had the term lunatic because, uh, well, well, not only does the moon affect us, but the moon has been slowly creeping away from the earth which is to say that, you know, back in the day of ancient Egypt and Sumeria and, you know, all those great places, the moon was much, much closer to us than it is now and had an even greater effect than it does now. Mm. Wow. It's a powerful place we live. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, they, they, let, let, me just, let me just give you the example that my, that my grandma Cindy gave me. Okay. She said... She said, okay, we're going to go out in the yard today and we're going to dig a hole. And it's going to be one foot by one foot by one foot. Okay. And so we went out and we dug the hole and, and we, we precisely measured this one cube area of, of earth that we took out of the ground. And then she says, now I want you to pay attention to the moon tonight. And so... Sure enough, the moon rose, <laughs> and uh, it was a new moon. And then we waited a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks went by, and then she said, now we're going to dig a hole. We're going to dig another hole, another one-foot-by-one-foot-by-one-foot cubicle hole. And we dug that up, and we weighed that. And, of course, it was the full moon. And the earth that we dug up during the full moon period weighed more than the earth did during the new moon period. 
Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Man. Now, have you started any gardening for this season yet? I know you guys are usually a couple weeks ahead of us up here in terms of uh, come the spring coming. You started, I mean, this time of year are you in the north, northern northern part of the north, northern hemisphere where we live. Are you starting anything uh-huh. in terms of prepping the soil um, or anything else? Prepping your pyramids, maybe. Well, well, yeah, yeah. Gardening, gardening is is very much a year round activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, therefore, what I mean by that is, um, up here in the north, we have a lot of people that have, you know, have landscapers, and the landscapers will come out and spread the lime um, once the weather starts getting warm. Uh, however, we we more organic gardeners put our lime down in the fall because it, it, the cold weather helps to break the lime down so that it's ready for uh, being absorbed by the plants in the springtime. Um, also, um, making sure that instead of getting rid of our leaves, that we um, we cover up the we cover up the ground. I, I put my leaves to the side and cover them up and let the snow cover them up because that helps to trap the nitrogen um, that's necessary for 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 springtime. And then, of course. Um, uh, wintertime is always a great time for gathering our seeds and making sure that our seeds are ready for planting in, in the spring as well. And how do the, how do the pyramids play in? Cause, uh, you mentioned it before you kind of hinted on it, that, that you work mm-hmm. with this. Um, and I know that you have a business where you deal with pyramids and I, I'd love to give you a chance to promote that as well. And I don't know if that relates to the gardening pyramids, but I've heard you mention how the pyramids work within your garden before, and it, to me, it's fascinating. So, can you expound on that oh, a little bit? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, well, um, well, first, first and foremost, um, I was, you know, all gardeners are looking for something that will r- raise the rate of germination. You know, when you get a packet of seeds. Usually, there's they'll guarantee you that seventy percent or fifty percent of the seeds will germinate, and of course, um, we all want to have as many seeds germinate as possible. So, as I said to you, you know, I ran into this what what at the time seemed to be very mysterious and information, which talked about how the Chinese people in the year three thousand were able to magnetize their water and pour that water on their seeds, uh, which increased the amount of germination. And I had never heard of anything like this before. So uh, immediately um, I ran home from the library uh, wanting to test out the effect of magnetism on seeds and seed germination. So I immediately got out four little saucers one was my control, 
one that had all North Pole magnets facing the seeds, one that had all South Pole facing the seeds, and one that had a combination of North and South Pole facing the seeds. And the long and the short of it is, is that the South Pole of the magnet promotes the germination. And so the saucer that had the that it had been exposed to the South Pole magnets, more of them germinated, they grew faster, they matured sooner, and they bore more vegetables. And that's with a one-time treatment of the magnets. So, of course, I was walking around talking to myself when I ran into this pyramid thing. And the advantages to the pyramid, um, which is to say that you don't even need and I don't even recommend that people use a metal pyramid over their garden because metal pyramids are very popular for meditating and, and healing. But you can even, you can use a string pyramid, which is what I've used for 40 years. And what the, the first advantage is that it helps with the earth biome or the microorganisms that grow in the ground. Um, Second thing is that it get rid it gets rid of the pollutants and any uh, negative chemicals that might be in that ground, and that spreads out for a pattern of about 500 feet in all directions from wherever your pyramid is. Um, thirdly, uh, as I said before, because the pyramid works, um, pyramids work because they're absorbing the magnetic field of the Earth. And so that magnetism helps those seeds, more seeds to germinate, um, not only to grow faster, but to generate their own um, insecticide. It's not really an insecticide in the sense that it kills the bug, but they are able to make their own chemicals that ward the insects off. And um, that's always something that should be paid attention to, whatever insect infestation we have will inform us of what minerals or uh, elements are missing from the soil. Uh, and another just side benefit, of course, is uh, working outside. Uh, mosquitoes do not like negative ions, which are generated by the pyramids, and so they tend not to go into the pyramidal shape along with any negative insects. Now, how big is a pyramid? I mean, say, let's say you have a, a garden. Let's just say, for example, you have a uh, a raised bed garden that's, let's say, six feet by uh, 12 feet. Uh -huh. Maybe you have two or three of these. Um, or let's just look at one. How big of a pyramid would you use for something like that? Well, uh, generally, uh, well, I mean, you know, you can make a bunch of, you can make a series of pyramids. A pyramid is based on having a square base. So usually um, raised beds are not square. They're usually rectangle, right. uh, rectangular. So either I would put um, a series of pyramids over each bed, which is a lot of work, or I just put a big string pyramid over the whole, over the whole garden. Okay, gotcha. Wow. <laughs> uh, another, now, now the, the pyramid, pyramid science is, um, it's very flexible, and it's it, you know it, it it will work with you. And what I mean by that is um, there are many instances where, I, for one reason or another, I'm not able to put up um, a, a pyramid over the garden. But there are there's a method by which I can 
you know, map out, say, a square on the ground and put, uh, uh, say, an eight-inch pyramid or a four-inch pyramid where the four corners of that square would be and then connect it with copper wire. So you don't have a pyramid over the physical garden, but the energetic field, mm-hmm. um, the, the energy of the, the pyramids travel through the copper wire and then anything that's in that confine is also getting energized. Got you. I'd, li- I'd like to take a look at your garden one of these days, Lester. <laughs> I bet that's sure. quite, quite, quite a sight. <laughs> well, see, we'll see, we'll see once again, once again, you know, the pyramid aids in all aspects of whatever we're doing. So what I mean by that is it's not just that I've got the pyramid over my garden. I've got my water inside the pyramid. I've got a rain barrel or, you know, several gallons of water that just reside inside, inside the pyramid. Any, any um, fertilizers or any, um, anything that I'm putting on the soil, I can place in that pyramid and it will purify. It will take all, um, it, all chemicals that are not um, found in nature. It will, take, it will neutralize all of that stuff. So it, it works on, 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 on multiple levels in terms of ensuring that we have the most energy from our food. And how's, what, what's, I mean, can you expound on that a little more and just what, what exactly is happening? You know, what is, what is the pyramid doing that, that is, has all these incredible effects? <laughs> well, well, see, once again, um, you know, any, uh, the, you know, back in the 1950s, uh, the conventional scientific community, uh, this, uh, discovered, um, they, they were they were look they were trying to use radio telescopes uh, to peer out into space, and no matter where they looked out in space, they kept getting this this you know this radio signal. Um, and uh, well, 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 they kept getting the signal, you know. And uh, finally, they figured out that what they were getting was. Um, cosmic background radiation, which is the force that was created um, at the, at, you know, when the so-called Big Bang happened. So this energy has been around since the beginning, and it grows with our universe. Anything that's pyramidally shaped will attract that energy, and that energy, um, when it goes through matter, it it, it anything that's not in accordance with what happens in nature, uh, it vibrates it back to its original state. So in that vibration, it separates out the the so-called negative stuff, and that vibration is strong enough that it will it will actually reduce it back to its essence. It's crazy too, because you see these pyramids, man, all over the world, right? I mean, um, that's right. And what's like right here in Vermont, we even got pyramids in lakes that I know of. Uh, mm-hmm. the, we got lakes, you know, at the bottom of the lake, they find a pyramid. That's and, right. Yep, and it's all over. I, I visited some pyramids out there in in Peru, 
in Caral, Peru, mm-hmm. these pyramids that predate, uh, they actually built right around the same time as the Egyptian pyramids. They predate them a little bit, you know, so, so they say anyway, uh, yeah. n- nonetheless, ancient pyramids and, and all these ancient cultures use the pyramid science, you know, why aren't we using this pyramid science today? What's going on? Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's a big question. Um, <laughs> I guess we're starting to though, right? I mean, we're, we're relearning we, this stuff. Well, 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 see, once again, um, you know, when you talk, when, when I, when I, when I investigated, um, the magnet, the crystal, and the pyramid, it, well, the, well, the first thing that it did was it blew my mind as to how much more educated I had to be about the world that I was born into. Um, now, what do I mean? What I mean by that is that, you know, growing up, I used to walk past the store called Radio Shack. And, of course, you know, we'd go in there and, you know, get our parts that we needed. Um, But once I got into crystals, I discovered that Radio Shack was the place that people went to get their speaker, but they would walk around until they found a piece of quartz crystal and they would then go and get their copper wire and wrap it around that quartz crystal and hook it up to uh, that speaker and they'd have a radio (laughs) that quartz were originally used for radios. And then I found out that the original needle for the record player was made out of quartz, and the microphone that they used to sing into had quartz in it. So quartz has been uh, has been in our culture for quite some time, and the same with the pyramid. You know, the bridges are built on. Um, the stress principle of a pyramid. Um, and there, there, um, let, let me, let me go back to the fact that the earth is a dodecahedron. Earth is not a, uh, is not a, a sphere, you know, like the globes illustrate to us. And we know this because Plato told us, uh, 2,500 years ago, that if you went above the earth and looked down onto it, it would look like a soccer ball. It would look like a ball with 12 patches on it. And he was describing a dodecahedron. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that one of the properties of a dodecahedron is that it emits and captures radio waves. And so your pyramid is a very simple method of sending messages and or images all over the world. Wow. <laughs> I always had this vision, man, that, um, you know, we've been doing, me and Rossi, we've been doing this radio thing for a long time, pretty long time, like uh-huh. going on 15 years. I always had this vision um, that someday we can broadcast some independent of radio station, computer, anything, maybe just the tech technology of a pyramid 
crystal, moving water, and that alone, that could be our broadcast. Well, see, well, you see, my friend, the, the joke, as always, is on us because uh, not only did I read that the earth is a dodecahedron, but in one of my mother's medical books, I read the fact that every cell in the human body is a receiver and transmitter of radio waves. And since the dodecahedron broadcasts and receives radio waves, we're literally standing on the broadcaster as we speak. And the joke, of course, is that the radio that you're talking about is a cell radio. Our cells could transmit this radio broadcast. <laughs> and I'm sure in the past that the, these, you know, these ancient peoples took advantage of that. I also want to mention the fact, because, you know, we're, we're always so local, you know, I also want to mention the fact that these pyramids were more than likely used for communicating past the Earth's um, perimeter. Sure. You know, we are not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and <laughs> <laughs> wow. We'll see. We'll see. Once again, you know, uh, since the pyramids have been around for thousands of years, and since there have been pyramids, you know, as you said, all over the earth, people have had their own experiences separate from what we call science. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, many, many people have gone inside of pyramids and had experiences. Um, and so other people hearing about these experiences have made replicas and done experiments with these things. And there's much to be learned, uh, not just quote unquote scientifically, but by individual investigation. And I say that simply because over the years, as I've imparted different pieces of data to people, they will go off and do their own research and then come back to me and say, well, have you, have you ever tried to get rid of, uh, 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 foot, you know, uh, foot fungus in shoes, you know, something that I would never have thought of, but, uh, you know, the more that people are doing their own experiments, the more that we can share and, and learn and grow. I love that. You know, that, that's the only way we're going to grow. I mean, that's, that's why that's one big reason why we wanted to bring you on the show is to mm -hmm. share this knowledge because Eric and I have been into, you know, your your reasoning sessions for a long time. And, you know, so many there's so many people out there that can really benefit, I think, from this information. And so it's about time that that we we bring bring it forth, you know, and, and it's the time that we're living. Absolutely. in. Absolutely. It is the time we're living. That's in. Right. Everyone's got a gift. And it's time to let mm -hmm. you know our all of our lights shine, you know, extra bright, and so we can we well, can build off this thing together. 
Well, see, well, you know, one of the things, one of the things that I have observed over this period of time that I've been working is how we label things. And one of the, one of the, you know, one of the things that really irks me is when I hear people say it takes an Einstein to figure out, you know, whatever the subject matter is. The fact of the matter is, is that we should be labeling um, people, specifically children, that that they are that each one of us is a scientist. Yeah, <laughs> and that we perform scientific tasks and functions every single day. Um, and, you know, so that even though there might be certain specialties in science, you know, we should not be intimidating people. Uh, and in fact, we should be going in the opposite direction in terms of just presenting presenting our young people with what we know and then asking them if they can improve upon it or or what do they see. Um, Fresh eyes are always a wonderful thing in science. You know, we, we, we always get blinders on, but those kids will come right in and point right to what we're missing or what we can't see. And, you know, we, we can benefit from that. It also makes the kids have some self-esteem because it lets them know that adults don't know everything, which is probably the first goddamn rule of science. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. I told you before I got a youth at home, you know, my daughter, she's two and a half and I see every Mm -hmm. day, I see a, I see a true genius and, and I know that, uh, It's, you know, and, and in their friends too. I mean, it's like these kids, I mean, and the crystal children today. So they're coming mm-hmm. in with a, with a zeal and with a, a true uh, purpose, you know, and it's That's only, that. it's only the adults that can dumb them da- dumb it down and make them think they're something mm-hmm. other than, or less than, which they never are. They're never less than, right. you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, we, we have a responsibility as the elders still, you know, to, to raise them up right and, and, and let them know, yeah, we're not, we don't know everything. And you got, there's a, there's a lot, a lot to do still. A lot. That's right. we're, we're just beginning. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yes, sir. That's so, right. And- so, uh, I got to, while we're, while we're speaking of youth, I had a question for you that, that I thought of the last, in the last week. And you may or may not have a response, which is fine, but I wanted to ask you about it. Cause I've thought about it a lot. Uh huh. My daughter, she loves trains and a lot of kids do. I mean, kids like yeah. cars and trucks and everything, but it's trains, something about the trains. And, and we all know that the railroad tracks can be a portals. Is there something about the train? I mean, it, you know, from what you see a scientific level or anything in your experience that in specific about the train, how that seems to attract the use so much well uh, okay and it's interesting because um it, this is not something that i have thought of but as you were asking the question uh an answer popped right into my into my noggin and um that is uh, 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 uh neuroplasticity 
uh, neuroplasticity is the state um, where the brain can grow new new neural pathways uh, um, as we get older, and it involves problem solving. And the thing that modern science has uh, uncovered is the fact that in the six months while the baby is in utero and for the next 18 months once they're after they're born, uh, the more stimulus of various kinds. So you can't just play all classical music. You've got to play all kinds of music and live music and synthesized music and, you know, you know, whatever. But the more we expose our young um, in that 24-month period, the greater the ability for them to grow neural pathways in later life. And I think the train symbolizes those neural pathways. Wow. <laughs> the ability the ability to keep yeah. going, you know, there's a there's a sure. track. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's it's so powerful, man. You see and it's so common with the use as well as you see a lot of, you know, so-called autistic children becoming obsessed with tra mm -hmm. trains and train schedules. There's something about right. this train, you know, that's 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 deeper than what than at the surface. And that that makes perfect sense what you just said. Yeah, well, see, well, once again, it's the train of thought. Yeah. You know. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yo, uh, I want to bring bring Rossi into the conversation. Rossi. Oh, it's brilliant. Uh, I was just thinking about this movie that just came out, uh, Glass. And actually, Glass, uh -huh. uh, the movie Unbreakable and Split, is a three-part series based on the railway 177 about trains. And Samuel Jackson, the main character, uh, it, he's a genius. So what you were just saying about the trains, it makes perfect sense. And they they actually showing this stuff right right in the movies today. They showing us how, uh, you know these these different. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll make an example like the underworld, mushrooms and, mm -hmm. and tree roots. Mm -hmm. right. You know, it, it's almost yeah, it's almost like the activity of the brain. It, it's, it's our brains like the underworld, and you know I, that's why I want you to go into Lester. Can you take us into the underworld and how the the tree roots and the mushroom and and all these uh, super intelligent creatures. You know they they all working together to keep you know to keep us healthy and to keep us sane and you know they working so hard and then we just we just out here like zombies walking around not not recognizing to take off our shoes and go out in the grass and and take the dew off the grass and wash our face with it and and immerse oh, yes. ourselves back oh, yes. into the oh, oneness. Yes, yeah, please. Okay, okay. Well, I want to ask you. I want to ask you a question. Okay. Okay. And my question, my question to you is. What is the population of the Earth today? Ooh, wow. How about approximately, uh, uh, man, I don't know, maybe a trillion, a couple of trillion? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. You see, 
over the years, I've asked people this question. And generally, people respond by saying, seven billion. And, and then what I do is I take them outside and I put a spoon in their hand and I said, I want you to give me a scoop of earth. And they scoop up the earth and I said, there's probably a hundred billion little Negroes in this spoon right here. <laughs> <laughs> my 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 point my point being that you know you know you know back a few years ago they used to say it takes a village to raise a, a child and we should think about this agriculturally that long before we're putting that seed in the ground or in that raised bed, that there has to be a community of microorganisms in the ground. And those microorganisms serve the purpose of bringing the nutrients to the roots. So there had better be a community and a connection that enables those little tiny organisms that we never even see or think about, that they may function properly. And when you talk about most plants and trees, when we talk about that, we have to bring up the concept of tessellation. Tessellation is just a big fancy word that that is that scientifically means as above, so below, so below as above. And you can look at the root pattern of most plants or trees, and from the root pattern, you will see the pattern of that tree. So shape, shape and conditioning play a great role in us keeping everything uh, healthy and satisfied. And what I, what, what I mean by that is when I put my string pyramid up, you know, over the garden, and the reason why you string and or piano wire is simply because when the wind blows against that string, that string now vibrates, and that frequency is what energizes those microorganisms to do their work. Sound is the motivator for these tiny organisms to do their work. The root structure of the plant actually makes a form that is generating sound. And a great deal of why our plants um, don't have the same nutrition that they used to have. I mean, people always talk about people always talk about the fact that we depleted the soil, but just as important as depleting the soil, we depleted the sound that these plants have used to get. It's not that the sound isn't there; we've overridden it by 
you know, sirens and car radios and every other type of thing. You know, all of our machines make sound, you know. So uh, what I'm basically saying is by getting in touch with nature, we start to understand all the different parts and functions that she has, and we have a greater connection and respect because those functions are helping us to function. Well, as you were talking, I was thinking about the word geometry and how the word tree is in, in the word geometry. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, I noticed oh. that golden that golden means spiral spin on trees. I can see it. I can see the, the branching and the, the mathematical mm-hmm. branching, you know, when I look at the trees. And, and you're right, when I'm, when, especially in Vermont, when I'm around those rivers and all those quartz mm-hmm. crystals. The sound, the, it's the, that's what's the most calming effect of everything is the mm-hmm. sound nature. The, you know, there's no cars, there's no airplanes, there's no disturbing right. noises. It's just nature. And you can actually hear the leaves on the trees singing a song, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Incredible. That's right. And what about the sound underwater? Like how, oh. how I heard you mention how fast sounds travel underwater. Can you? expound on that well yes well see once again um you know there's there's a very very ironic thing about sound um in 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 the irony is is that we're all um we're all urged to measure everything in terms of the speed of light and and of course you know, how many times have we heard nothing can go faster than the speed of light? Nothing can even approach. As you approach the speed of light, it gets harder to reach the speed of light. It's impossible. Don't even try it, y'all. Okay? Well, uh, you know, there's a, there's a funny thing. Or, or when I say funny, what I mean is there's an ironic thing because people always talk to me about the dictionary. But the thing is, is that you have to know the right word to look up in the dictionary. What's he talking about? Okay, well... As long as I looked up the word light in the dictionary in my encyclopedia, it said the same thing. It travels at 186,400 miles per second. Or if you're using the other system, 299,900,000 kilometers per second. Okay? And then one day, when I was minding what's supposed to be my own business, I looked up the word refraction in the dictionary and it said the following the bending of a ray or wave of light heat or sound as it passes obliquely from one medium to another of different density in which its speed is different or through 
layers of different density in the same medium. I said, hold up. You're trying to tell me that if light changes from one medium to another and it has a different density, it's going to go at a different speed? Y'all didn't tell me that in school. But then, lo and behold, I learned about resonance. And in resonance, when two things are in resonance, energy and or information passes back and forth between them without passing through the medium that they're in. In other words, it's instantaneous. And the beautiful thing about resonance is it has no limitation of space-time. That is to say that if I was on a spaceship that's 200,000 miles from here, and or let's make it 300, let's make it 400,000 miles from here. Okay, and then you had a laser and you shot off that laser. It would take two seconds for that laser to get from Earth to the spaceship. But if you had the resonant signature of the crystal that I was holding and you vibrated that signal here on Earth, my crystal would receive that, that signal instantly before the light got there. Which is to say that when it comes to water, sound not only travels faster through water than it does through air, it is louder. Now, um, when I went to the Dolphin Conference many years ago, the two researchers there said that every whale has its own individual name and that every whale can call out that name, and the whale will hear their call no matter where they are on Earth. So they already got cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, the, el- the elephant, you know, they always talk about, well, at least when I was a kid, they always talked about how, you know, a uh, baby elephant can't get lost from the, from the herd. You know, baby elephant can't get lost from the herd. You know, and I'm like, wow, okay, well, how's that? Well, then they showed the mama elephant putting her trunk near the ground. And you can see from her muscles that she's breathing out. But you can't hear anything. And that's because she's sending a subsonic a subsonic signal, a sound that's below our rate of hearing, and that travels through the ground five miles. And so if that baby elephant is within that five-mile perimeter, it will hear that sound and know where the herd is. Whoa. Man. That's awful. <laughs> that's awfully simple. Man. Golly. I love that. That's, thank you for that. That's super powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, 
In other words, we're walking cell phones. Our blood is the cell phone. We make calls to each That's other. That's right. We, we do, yeah, we do quite often, actually. I, I'm having a lot of uh, very uh, synchronistic uh, experiences with a lot of people, and yeah, we're coming online for sure. Yeah, That's right. Possible. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I think. Left the, oh, go ahead, D. Rowe. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna mention, you know, how sound is so underestimated. You know, it's it's. Uh, we've been dealing with this sound thing for a long time, and in particular, dealing with the healing from the sound. And mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting to hear, you know, about how how lightning and thunder can tune, you know, tune the earth. And I heard you 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 speak on that a little bit, and I was uh, just gonna ask if you could expound on that a little bit. The idea of that, that concept of how the earth is, you know, in tune and how that tunes and what, what note that, that tune, that all tones combined comes to. Okay. Well, I'm going to start off. I'm going to start off, um, with the fact that, um, when, when the astronauts, uh, one of the things that the astronauts left on the moon, they left, seismographic meters on the moon. And the reason for this is because they wanted to study moonquakes. Who knew? And so the next time an asteroid hit the moon, the moon rang for several hours. And the reason for that is, is that it's hollow in the middle. And our science has known for quite some time that the inner planets, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Earth, were all hollow at some point and still have some degree, you know, some cavity in the middle, which was verified just two weeks ago, where some scientists were able to verify that the Earth actually has a ringing. Uh, anyway, um, when lightning either strikes the ground or comes up from the ground, it then has a corresponding thunder. And wherever that lightning strike was, that thunder will travel to the opposite point on the earth. And then it'll come back to the strike point. And it will do that for approximately 12 hours. And it is making sounds subsonically or and or, and or supersonically that we can't hear but it's toning it's toning the entire planet. And since there are five thousand lightning strikes every second, this is hoping to keep our planet the sound that our planet needs to keep us balanced. Wow. And, and those lightning strikes also look like tree roots. 
when they break oh, yeah. up. Absolutely, yeah. my friend. Absolutely. Well, see, it's funny because, you know, uh, if actual light was traveling through space from our sun, then how come space is black? You know, it's traveling in it's traveling in one form, and then as it goes through our atmosphere, it gets translated into another form of energy. And that's one of the things that the 21st century is about, is we've tried as hard as we possibly could to um, work with active energy systems, you know, you know, faster cars, bigger engines, uh, you know, bigger, um, uh, bigger colliders. Um, and nature shows us, nature and our physical universe shows us every single day that passive energy systems are just as effective and less polluting than uh, a lot of the machinery and the technologies that we have. There's nothing wrong with them per se. I'm not judging them. I'm just evaluating them and saying, well, you know, uh, you know, when I look out in the space, you know, I don't see all this, you know, I don't, I don't see plastic floating around, you know, <laughs> I don't see, you know, uh, uh, what's that stuff in the air? Carbon dioxide. I don't see pollutants. You know, I don't see waste. And sound very much is at the forefront of uh, us coming up with way healthier um methods of coexisting in our planet and in our our solar system indeed indeed family uh on that note if you two brothers don't mind maybe we'll take just a, a couple minute music break we'll, we'll let some natural sounds play out for a couple minutes and, and come right back does that work for for you lester and, and eric oh absolutely all right, yeah, we All got right. some we got some natural tu- natural tunes, you know, some sounds of nature, tuning up. So, family, uh, give thanks once again. You tuning in to Jawworks Radio. We're here with Eric L. and Lester Loving. We're gonna play some sounds of nature and some hearticle hearticle tones. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. More reasoning.
Ring the alarm, family. Ring the alarm. Well, I and I is back once again. And family, you are tuning in live and direct. This is Jowworks Radio. We're coming to you live and direct here on WIV 91.3. And once again, this is an extended reasoning session. We got Eric L. on the line from Texas. And we got the brethren Lester Loving from New York. And uh, yeah, we're taking another journey through words, sound as power on a scientific tip this week. Giving thanks for everyone being a part of this journey and, you know, all your energy. And giving thanks for this moment, you know, this breath of life. So, on that note, let's bring our, our brethrens back into the fold here. Let's pop these channels up here. All right, Lester, you 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 got you on the line still? I am. E. Man, I'm standing out here under these uh, pine trees, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about going to make me some turpentine tea, mm. and uh, man, just listening to Lester keep dropping these jewels, man. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I, you know, um, uh, uh, okay. I just since you talk, since you mentioned pine, I I just have to bring up the connection between the pine tree and the pyramid. Uh, of course, my route was very serendipitous in the sense that uh, I was introduced to negative and positive ions when I went to computer school. Uh, back in the early 70s and realized that whatever that energy was that was coming out of the computer, I, it just scrambled my brain. I couldn't, I knew that was not going to be my, my occupation. <laughs> um, and the reason I said it was serendipitous is that my teacher mentioned that there was an energy that came out of the computer, but she didn't say what it was. It took my own independent uh, research um, to run into somebody that said, oh, those are positive ions. And because I was able now to, I had a term for it, I could now study positive ions and naturally negative ions as well. Of course, uh, you know, we know that running water in all of it, running water above ground uh, generates positive ions. So your rivers, your lakes, um, rain, waterfall, dew, um, you know, in, in, in all of these things um, are generating the ions that, that keep us energized. Well, it just so happens that... Sorry, uh, you, the, said the, 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 you said they're generating positive ions. You, you, Negative ions. You you were saying you wanted to say negative ions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All, all of these, all of the, all of these things, all of these moving waters right. are generating negative ions. Yeah. All right. Uh, and the connection is, of course, that inside of your pyramid, the water molecules are being excited. I mean, we don't have to go to a whole technical thing, but you know, the energy that goes in there splits them open 
and they come back together. And that's what generates negative ions is the, is the splitting and coming back together of the water molecule. Mm-hmm. So the more times they can do that, the greater the ionization that, that we have. Um, when we look, of course, you know, we, we, live in, we live in these environments nowadays that have 90 degree corners up in, you know, up in the ceiling, you know, you know in our houses. And these 90-degree corners also generate positive ions, the ones that we have too many of. So naturally, when I was looking for things that people could do to put into their houses, uh, there's a whole list of plants that generate negative ions. When it comes to our trees, Pine tree is number one, numero uno with a bullet, as they used to say. Uh, And standing underneath a pine tree, standing close to a pine tree, we are going to get an abundance of negative ions. Now, the thing is, is that the pine cone when it is uh, when it is properly lubricated, it is closed and tight, and when it is dried out, it's open. Okay, um, and this is what they named the pineal gland after. And the connection, of course, is that. In order for the melanin to work at its maximum efficiency, we need to have more negative ions in our environment than positive ones. So when we're outside, because somebody talked about the difference between indoors and outdoors, when we're outside, uh, we're getting way more magnetism. We're getting moisture in the air. The molecules are moving around. And depending on where we are, if we're in the middle of the city, we're not getting that many negative ions. But uh, being around trees, being around the ocean or moving water when we're outdoors, climbing mountains, you know, waterfalls are all wonderful things. In the home, however, one of the simplest solutions that we have is rounding off those corners. And the simplest way, there's many ways of rounding off the corners, but the simplest way is to just cut out a triangle and lay that triangle so that it's at a 45-degree angle where the points are fit into the grooves where the, wall, where the, you know, where the walls and the ceiling run. So that, you know, you're just, you know, the, the triangle's not flat against the wall. It's pointing down from the ceiling at a 45, basically a 45 degree angle. That will convert the positive ions that are stuck up in your ceilings into negative ones. And all of the negative ion generating devices from our Himalayan salt lamps, our crystals, our pyramids, our orgone, our organite, all, all of the things that we have will be more efficient if we round off our corners. Now, you guys live in Vermont, so you have access to mega, mega um, quartz. And, you know, when I lived there in Westford, I lived in Westford, you know, I just walked down the the road and I'd pick up, you know, just (laughs) chunks and chunks and chunks. Well, one of the things that we can do 
to generate our own negative ions is take a, a, a piece of quartz, get a glass container, and put that piece of quartz in that container and then fill it up with water. Wait three days, you got ions generating out of that glass. Now, of course, it only goes, um, it only goes uh, four feet out. It doesn't cover the whole room. But at least you're generating negative ions. Now, this kind of science is all forgiving. You know, there's multiple ways of working it. So we can just take a piece of copper wire and wrap it around that piece of quartz and then stick that into our glass. And the more we wrap it, the farther out the field of negative ions goes. Just remember, uh, our government did research about negative and positive ions back in the 60s. And let's just say that every hospital court um, and, uh, and school should be taking advantage of negative ionization. Now, the fact that fluorescent light bulbs generate tremendous amounts of positive ions means that we have to make up the difference. Now, how about how about the water that we drink? Because you, you mentioned, you know, dealing with the water. Um, what about what can we do to improve the water that we drink? No matter whether you're in a city or in the country, what can you do in terms of structuring your water on your own? Okay. 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 We okay. The first thing that we know is is the scientific term called degassing. And you know, you know, you know. uh, I learned a while back that part of my job was getting people over their fear of how technical science sounds. You know, because if I get up there and I say, oh, we have to decast our water, and everybody gets afraid because they're like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> you know, does it take a, you know, what kind of equipment do I need? You know, is it, is it expensive? You know, now, anybody that's had a fish tank knows something about degassing because you let the water sit and without without a lid on it. And the gases, the fluoride, the chlorine will naturally come out of the water. You just have to wait. So degassing is the first step that I would say um, in terms of uh, energizing one's water. Um, uh, of course, when it comes to structuring water, we have several different methods that nature uses and that we can also take advantage of. One is the quartz crystal. Introducing a quartz crystal into your water is going to break down and dissolve many, many of the toxins that exist there. Magnetizing the water, passing the water through a magnetic field, depending on which, which, you know, which um, pole that you're facing the water, um, will break up... Um, you break up negativity and also structure the water. Um, using color will do that. 
Sound, of course, is very, there's been much research on structuring our water using sound. Um, the conventional scientific research has shown us that music that has 60 beats per minute is the most efficient at structuring water. And now 60 beats per minute, if you, if you were to, you know, if you were to go online, if you went to the record store, God forbid there's a record store, um, and you were looking for that, it would, it would be uh, classified as well-tempered music. So in the classical section, anything that's well-tempered means it's 60 beats per, per minute, and that has a profound structuring effect on the water. Now, on my own, and of course, I went to see Dr. Emoto a couple of times um, and wanted to ask him about uh, if that was the only type of, of music that structured the water. But, you know, as I came home and uh, little Lester, you know, was like, oh, well, that can't be the only thing. Come on. So doing my own research, I found a couple of principles. One, water that energizes us will energize, music that energizes us will energize the water. So in other words, if we're preparing our water and we're listening to music that we really rock out to, then that enthusiasm, that connection with the universe, that joy will go into the water, even if it's not 60 beats per minute, even if it's, you know, hard thrashing metal. On the other hand, I have found gospel music to be extremely efficient in terms of structuring water. And my personal favorite is whale sounds. I play whale sounds to my water and um, there's a sweetness that comes to the water that I, I can't scientifically explain, but I, 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 you know, I, I feel it every time I drink it. Uh, and then, of course, movement of water is important. You know, uh, you know, back in the day when I went to this fancy restaurant and the water steward came over and he took out the water thing and he took my glass and he stopped pouring the water and then he, he moved the pitcher back so that the water was now two, three feet from the glass. And then he poured, the, gla he poured the, the water from the glass back into the pitcher and back and forth. Well, he's aerating the water and he's structuring the water as he's doing that. So just simply passing our water back and forth, especially bef right before we're going to drink it, gives more energy um, to, to that water. And then, of course, prayer and or meditation, affirmations, um, I cannot stress how important that is. And finally, I'm going to say programming of the water. Now, uh, once, we, once we purify and energize the water, uh, I find that programming to be the very next step in um, our energetic evolution. And what I mean by that is that whatever tasks, functions, or duties I have that day, that I program that into my water. So if I'm going to go on a long hike and I, I say, you know, may I have the stamina, may I have, you know, the alertness to watch out for, you know, uh, weak rocks and spiders and, you know, I program my functions into the water for that particular day. And when it comes to spiritual or metaphysical pursuits, particularly 
you know, when I'm looking for something that I can't find or, you know, I, I need uh, strength with consistency, I program that right into the water as well. And quite often an answer will come to me that um, it might have taken me a week to logically think about it, but the water tends to clear away all the all the mental confusion and just allows me to get right to whatever it is. Oh, I forgot to mention, I forgot to mention one of the, one of the, one of the simplest and most efficient ways of structuring our water is the seven turn copper pipe. Um, The seven turn copper pipe was something that we find from about 2000 BC in different cultures uh, around the world. And all you do is you pass, you you get a copper tube, you coil it seven times or more, and you pass the water through the top. And when it comes out the bottom, it's not only purified, but it's structured. Now, we've been finding these water pipes, these tubes, um, archaeologically, we've been finding these these things for quite some time. And so the AMA did a five-year study and found out that, in fact, passing water through the copper pipe not only purifies it, but structures it greatly. I like that. Now these, now all of these, all of these things, all of these methods are things that take time, and some of them are not. Some of them, some of them are things that that you may not want to take the time with, or for whatever reason. But others will appeal to you. And um, what I have found is, as I work through one system or I do research on one thing. Um, other things come up about other systems that make it more palatable to me. So just getting started is what I'm saying is, is the, is, is the most important thing. Just getting started, whatever methods you want to learn about. Um, now water is very, very complicated. It is not a simple subject because depending on what um, the environment is, the temperature is, the movement of the water, the stagnation of the water. Um, you know, it, 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 you know, it's starting out from many different places. But water is water will work with us. Um, she's more than willing to let go of those toxins. Um, it's interesting because when when people think about uh, purified water. Um, most of the time, they tell me that, uh, well, my water has nothing in it. <laughs> you know, no minerals. And the the body has a minimum of sixty minerals it needs in order to function properly. Um, and it used to be that water was the carrier of those minerals. Um, not only have we depleted some of those minerals, but we've also added thousands of chemicals. Uh, but I want to let you know that these chemicals can be broken down. They're not as they're not as immutable 
as uh, our technology or our society leads us to think. Yeah, Lester, I, I want to share um, a tip that you gave me years ago about water, too, with the family, and maybe see if you can talk about it in a little more detail. But uh, okay. a few years ago, and I mentioned this to you um, on our personal conversation, I heard you mention on a show um, the benefits of combining ocean water with spring water and rainwater. And so when I heard that, it, it just resonated so strong within me, you know, and um, not a, probably not no more than a, a few months later, my daughter was being born. And so I, I took that concept and, and utilized it to the fullest and brought it into the room where she was born. I had ocean water from Peru. I had spring water and I had some rainwater that I collected. I combined all them and uh, I, I did a few things, but one thing I did was I you know, tap the corner corners of each each part of the room, all the corners. I made them all wet with this water, and then I took the rest of the water and I put them in wooden bowls and let them just sit around the room. And by the time our daughter was born, I, I can't ever forget that all that was left in those bowls was salt. Everything else had yes. gone out into the air, and, and we were literally br- breathing all those waters, and and particularly in tapped into the corners of each room, each part of the room. And I also used it when I when we bought our home to purify the space. You know, um, can you share a little bit more Absolutely. about about that that method with the family and and how it how it can benefit people in terms of especially moving into a new home or a new space, new apartment, anything like that? Um, okay. Well, the 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 basic principle, the basic principle is that we are gathering water that is traveling in the three different directions, um, which is, um, you know, down, up, and horizontally or sideways. Uh, And so it has the knowledge that that water has the information of all situations that you will, that one would encounter. Um, if we're talking scientifically, the term that people need to study, or I should say people, the, the term that, that I studied was the hydrologic cycle. The hydrologic cycle, once again, is a big fancy word that just simply means um, when water evaporates up into the air and then it gets carried by a cloud and then it comes down somewhere else and then eventually it seeps into the ground and then it'll come back up as a spring and then it might run down the side of the hill or mountain and hit, hit a river then it travels as a river and then it evaporates again. So the symbol that the ancient Kemites, that's redundancy, the, the the, the symbol that the Kemites or the ancient Egyptians had for this hydrologic cycle is the Ankh. The Ankh displays the water falling, it rising, and it flowing sideways. So when one combines those three different pathways that water travels, you're basically evoking Ankh energy. Man, 
That's so powerful, brethren. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So, Lester, uh, when we spoke last week or a couple weeks ago, I think the three of us, you mentioned mm-hmm. that there was something that came to your head that you wanted to um, to bring forth on the show. And I don't want to get off track or anything. We can just keep on flowing naturally. But I, I wanted to bring that up and just um, ask if there was anything that you had particular, you know, that you wanted to cover tonight that y- you mentioned that. And I wasn't sure if we might have already covered it. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. No. Yeah, no, we're going to have to keep flowing because I, 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 I've had a, a, a uh, hurricane of – of, I don't remember what it is. I'm going to come with like three or four mind-boggling things in the last, since we spoke. Okay. <laughs> so we're just going to keep we're just going to keep moving. <laughs> All right, that's good. I, I like it. <laughs> what is it? You know, what is it about the percentage? I always found it so interesting that the the percentage of water on the Earth mimics the percentage of water within our bodies, more or less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. Once again. You know the, the you know the microcosm and the macrocosm. Uh, you know everything is a step up and step down system. What I mean by that is, you know, since the sound is the creative force that's bringing all of this into manifestation, um, it just depends on the material that that sound is interfacing with. Uh, what the physical re- result will look like, but it's the same principles. It's the same mathematical ratios, you know? So whether it's a very giant system or a very small system, uh, the, you know, they're, they're based on the, on the same, uh, dare I say, qualities. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I got. I well, got... Look, look, look. Okay, the, the the thing is, the thing is, is it is fascinating. It's completely fascinating that the 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 amount of salt water in the in the ocean is you know on the Earth is the, is the same percentage as the salt water in our bodies. What it is telling us is that we're 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 part of a process that these things are not like, like the way that Western science teaches, they teach everything in terms of separation. But this is a a science of observation that shows us that no matter how much we may look different, we're all operating from the same primary forces. And of course we would have a similar, um, amount of water because as quiet as it's kept here's the big one y'all okay okay let, let me let me be professorial here <laughs> <laughs> what 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 percentage of our dna is human You have an answer. I don't. I don't know. Okay, Anyone, well, anyone's guess, well, as mean, far as I know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, I watch, I, you know, I watch Ancestry dot com and you know all those other things, and they, you know, people send off their DNA and they get other stuff back and whatever. Right. You know, human DNA, human DNA. Well, 
you know, the fact of the matter is we're about 90% bacteria and um, a combination of bacteria and fungi. You know, we're only about 10% human DNA in the body. And I only mention that to say that, uh, you know, we're renting, <laughs> you know, the, the body uh, is a reflection of the environment that it's in. And therefore, human is not the only, you know, is not the only person on the boat. You know, we need we need that environment because we have all these other life forms that coexist in that ratio. Of course, it's fascinating. It's yeah. it's it, it's mind boggling. You know how much you know this stuff that doesn't look like us. Apparently, you know, apparently, you know, but we share we share a lot in common and guess what you know as far as i'm concerned um the amount of pollution that we have in the oceans is very much equivalent to the amount of pollution we have in our bloodstreams right now wow so that that reflects also um you know there there, there are functions there are functions in the human body and uh, j- just to illustrate one, we, you know, we have this thing in our in our red blood cell called hemoglobin, and uh, you know, we know from studying our crystals, you know, uh, especially you know with Rosbin, et cetera, that hemoglobin, hematite. They both have the same prefix, which, you know, is iron. Hema is iron. And so in the middle of our blood cell, our red blood cell, is this little piece of iron. And that piece of iron sends out a signal when it is looking for the nutrient that that red blood cell needs. And once that signal is sent out, then that nutrient follows the signal back to that cell where it gets onto the cell membrane and gets incorporated into that cell. It just so happens that this signal the only thing that interferes with the carrying out of this signal is an excess of salt and sugar. Now, I mention that simply because the hemoglobin in the red blood cell is a 51-degree pyramid. It is the same angle and shape as the Great Pyramid. It's sending out a signal looking for the nutrients that it needs. And if we have too much salt or sugar in our systems, then that salt or sugar blocks that signal and keeps those, you know, the full amount of nutrients from getting to that cell. Um, I mentioned that 
I mention that because in the Book of the Dead, it says, the cell is immortal, and it is the river of life that surrounds it that keeps it so. I was like, wow, that's some deep metaphysical stuff. And then I opened up the New York Times, and there the doctor was saying that the average human cell should live for a minimum of 600 years, and it is the it is the health and the lack of chemicals in the bloodstream that would maintain it to live a minimum of 600 years. Are you hearing me? Oh, yeah. 600, 100, y'all. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yes, um, uh, maintaining not just not just that, you know, those, those, those mineral content, you know, uh, you know, the very salts and cell salts and things, but those things also, um, maintain the ability of our systems to carry voltage. I'm going to repeat that, you know, that, uh, that our cells operate because there is a certain amount of electricity that is flowing through the bloodstream and the human body. And there are several things in our lifestyle that are depleting this voltage. Um, of course, salt and sugar is, you know, right up there, but there are other things too. Um, what I'm, what I'm basically trying to say is this, as we purify, as we get more in touch with nature, you know, as we start to resonate with more powerful and energetic parts of ourselves, um, not only do we learn to have a greater appreciation of nature, but we start to actually affect nature. Um, all actions start from within, all reactions start from without. So if we want, you know, the change literally has to come through our purification and our investigation of the cosmic um, forces and functions. In other words, the more we learn, the more we learn about how we fit in and the more respect we'll have for the environment that we live in. Yes, that makes all the sense in the world. Um, uh, Lester, I have a thing I want to get in um, real quick. Okay. It's based on it's yeah. based on the number eight. You know, uh, Zero lives on the 44th parallel up in Vermont, and we have this yes. uh, special, uh, we, well, everybody does, you know, with numbers, but our number is eight. Yes. And, uh, mm -hmm. and so I noticed that this is how I call it. When the eight is standing up, it's, it's active, it's at work. But when that eight is laying down, resting, it's at an infinity sign. All right. Mm -hmm. So right. Can't, yeah, right. So and and it also becomes a pair of glasses where I'm able to see a lot more than I ordinarily would because I understand how important it is to rest, to come to rest. You know. Absolutely. And, uh, yes. So uh, I've heard you speak of all matter has these 
polarities going on, that is, there's active and there's rest. Can you please tell us about that? Sure. I, I will I, I will reference the man who did um, the homework for us, which is Dr. Wilhelm Reich, who many people may have heard of from his work with orgone energy, and now people have carried it on with organite. Dr. Reich was uh, associate with Dr. Freud and Dr. Jung. There were three of them. They were working at the birth of psychiatry. And, uh, and Dr. Reich decided, well, he, he, he was led to believe that, um, uh, you know, unlike therapy, that there were physical causes for many of these psychological ailments. And there might be a way of having a physical answer. And in his research, he found that all matter, not just the human body, but all matter goes through a four-step cycle. The first step is activation. Um, you know, waking up or getting started. The, the second step is acceleration. You know, things are functioning, they're moving more quickly. Um, the third stage is orgasm. That's the peak of functioning where uh, the, the vessel or the structure can no longer hold the energy that's built up and therefore it has to release it. And then finally, the fourth stage is rest. Okay, so if we think, if, we're, if we're talking about the platonic solids, the the act the the uh, activation symbol would be the tetrahedron, the acceleration symbol would be the octahedron, the double pyramid, the um, the hexahedron or the cube would represent orgasm, and then finally. Uh, the icosahedron would represent rest. Uh, Dr. Reich and subsequent research has shown that rest is the most important of the four um, of the of the four steps in the cycle. And in fact, if the human cell is not rested, and we eat. You know, we go and we get the most organic, purest food. Like, you know, we, we go right down to the CSA and cut the thing off and eat it right there, okay? You can't get any fresher than that. Well, if the cell is not rested, it will take in those nutrients and spit it right out. It won't even be able to digest or assimilate, not digest, to assimilate the energy from uh, those nutrients. So rest is extremely important. We also know because there's all kinds of things, uh, articles about how unrested Americans are, especially in this mig, I mean gig economy, and and it is essential that we not only get sleep. But rest is defined, rest in the medical world is defined as the body's ability to go through enough of the dream cycles 
in order to clear out all the metabolic waste in the brain. Now, the dream cycle, let me break that down. The dream cycle is 90 minutes. We dream for 90 seconds. I know the dream is like, you know, I was running and the dragon was chasing me and then I lost my shoes and next day I was now swimming in butter. Well, you know, yeah, all that happens in a very short period of time. Um, and then we go to a 90-minute period where the brain has to rev up um, to get uh, enough frequency in order to go into the dream cycle again. But in that meantime, it's cleaning out the metabolic waste, which is simply the cells that the brain has used during the waking state. If we get, if we go through enough of the dream cycles, um, and all the metabolic waste is cleared out because, you know, the body first starts with the brain, but then it starts to go through the rest of the body. So if it clears out all the metabolic waste, waste then we wake up and we're completely rested. We're energized. You know, that does not sound like the description for a lot of people. So we need rest and another form of rest in this sense, in, in, in the sense of when I define rest, I'm talking about recharging of the cell. Another form of rest is meditation during the day, not waiting to the end of the day when I'm dog-ass tired, you know, and, you know, I've turned on the news and I've read the paper and I've heard from the gossip people on the block. No, sometime during the day, you know, even if you're at work, you can go into the bathroom and spend five minutes just chilling, you know. You know, rest is quintessential part of of this investigation. Thank you very much for that. Oh, no, it, it, it not only, thank you, but not only did I read all these things, but I've had enough time to test them out for myself as well as hundreds of other people. And um, this is something that, you know, doesn't require, you know, uh, a gym membership or new outfits or change your diet. It's just a little, it's just a little tweak, you know, devoting a little bit of time uh, during the day and at night. Oh, also what I also wanted to say is, you know, our technology, um, our Western technology is aimed and used for selling stuff. And to that end, of course, they found that when blue light hits the eyeball, um, the, most animals are encoded to respond that that is daylight, that is dawn. Day is coming. And so therefore we find on a lot of our TV sets now the button or the screen or the thing around the screen is that blue color, you know, that's going to keep us awake. Uh, so if at all possible, you know, put a little piece of tape over that, that, that light. If it's red also, red stimulates the muscles. So, um, you know, red, red for the traffic light is possibly the worst possible color you can use because it, it, it you know it, it stimulates us we want to go the reason why they use red for the traffic light is because it 
the the ray travels farther, and so you can see it, you know, farther away, and so you're supposed to stop. Um, uh, but that, yeah, that's that's what I wanted to add to to that. That our that our rest environment should be for rest. You know, we shouldn't have a bunch of stuff like you know, 1988. The New York Times had the breakthrough article, four pages, four pages in the New York Times about electromagnetic pollution. And one of the things they said in the article is that we need to, we need to observe the two-meter rule. And the two-meter rule is simply anything with an electromagnetic field that's radiating needs to be at least two meters or six feet from us. And the example that they gave us is the electric alarm clock, that little alarm clock, the baby then. You know that little thing that's on our on our on our nightstand that needs to be away from us, okay? So a great deal of these things, in terms of us achieving the states that we need to, is us making some changes. Um, you know, I laugh every time I hear the word lifestyle, um, because we we really we really have to pay more attention to what is promoting life, and then correspondingly, you know, do those things that are required. Uh, but rest is is essential. It is essential to any what I what I'm going to call spiritual pursuit. Now, how about the the Latin American and Spanish tradition of the siesta? Well, the siesta, the siesta is um, uh, partially based on the fact that we have the greatest amount of UV rays between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. Um, working out in that in, in that in that kind of condition is is um, it, it can actually be counterproductive. It can drain you and. Um, I say this because I, uh, you know, the people I stay with, they have a bird feeder in the backyard. And even though the bird feeder will be full, the birds will come early in the morning around 11. They just stop coming for a while. And then around 1.30, I start to see them come back again. So I, I, you know, without knowing what time it is, I know that the UV has lessened. Um, and uh, and so that's that's what that function is. It's also true too. I have to add this, and that is, you know, we we live under this um, <laughs> this this uh, this television generated illusion that everything has always been this way. You know, like you know, we we you know we see an ad for a car. You know, it just seems to us like cars have been here forever. Well, they haven't. You know, most of this technology is not that old. Um, oh, what were we talking about? I'm sorry. We were talking about, oh, um, well, we were, we were talking about this yesterday oh, oh, yeah, and how yeah, yeah, the yeah, birds, yeah, you know, yeah. right. And, yeah. and before we had, before we had electric, before we had electric lights. Okay. Before we had electric lights, people would go to sleep. And then they would wake up around three in the morning and they would either they'd either be awake or they'd get up and do 
chores or read until around 4.30, and then they go back to sleep until the sun came up. Now, the interesting thing to me about that is between 3 and 4.30 in the morning is when the most negative ions are generated by the earth. So when we look at many of the monks and the monk traditions around the world, these people get up early. They get up before sunrise to start their activities. Um, and so what I'm saying is, is that even the lights that we use have altered our need for rest and, and, and you know, how our body responds. Yeah, there's definitely something about that, that, Sunset and sunrise time that the energy right. is yeah That's it's so right. powerful. That's right. Well, see, once again, that 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 that's brain food. That's brain food. You know um, that you know sunrise and sunset; those angles are creating colors that are energizing to the eyeball. Um. You know, uh, you know, they would say, don't stare at the sun. Uh, but, you know, apparently the animals on my block didn't get the memo because, you know, I look at the birds you know, hanging out on the telephone wire or the power wire, and they're all facing the sun. They're all looking into the sun. The cat, my cat, and I pet her, her eyes are looking directly into the sun. So I realized that it's not, it's it's not just, you know, you know, doing it, but it's when you do it. And sun gazing in the early morning and early evening is 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 healthy, not just for the eyeball, but it feed it literally feeds the brain. Uh, so, so yeah, so that's what I want to say about that. Mm. Lester, have you ever heard of the uh, the tradition? In a lot of Latin American countries, I know definitely in Peru and Mexico too that they uh, passing the egg over a, a person when they're, you know, it can be for a lot of different reasons, sickness, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of it's like evil eye, bad energy that's in the in the body. Have you ever heard of that that tradition, passing the egg? Yes, I, yes, yes, I have. I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, my my wife's from Peru, so um, I was able to learn this from her father. And we do it, especially for my daughter when she's got something going on. And I've had it done to myself several times, and it's so effective. But I've always wondered, you know, is, do you have any insight on the the science behind that? Well, sure. You know, you, you know, your egg, your your egg is 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 probably. Um, It, it, it deals a great deal with um, magnetic energy, um, and so passing the you know passing the egg the egg has to do with all possibilities, all potentials, and so passing the egg over the person is going to draw that particular aspect out of them. And into the egg where it, where it can be contained, you know, so that it won't manifest in that person. 
Yeah, it's it's so incredible how um, you mentioned it to some people, mm-hmm. and it seems you know unbelievable. But once you try it for yourself, this stuff works. It's it's similar. I think of it similar to programming the water because you're kind of saying yeah. a chant over it, you know, and um, right. putting the intention out there, and lo and behold, it works. Then they crack the egg open and they're able to read within and drop it into water of all things, of course, and then read look, it. Look, 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 look. When people, when people, I, I, I know, you know, when, when people say to me, I find X experience to be unbelievable, okay, my answer is pretty much always the same, which is let's test it out. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, let's, let us take an egg and pass it over somebody that doesn't have something. And then let's pass the egg over the person that does have something. And let's analyze the egg after we've done that. Mm -hmm. Because you see, if it's magic, then, you know, the egg should be, you know, nothing should be, it's just magic. But if there is an actual physics or chemical principle, then we should see a change in that second egg, which, in fact, we will. Yeah. Because you know how I know this? Because I did this, and then I boiled them. Oh. And what happened? The one that had the juju in it, as the, as the, as the black woman used to say when I'm growing up, didn't know how to act right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took longer. It took longer to boil, and the egg cracked, and all kinds of stuff came out of it. That you know, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't need. A, I didn't need a, a microscope to know that something was different about the egg that had passed over the person. Yeah. <laughs> didn't just didn't. But say, so what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is. You know, when people say, I find this hard to believe or, you know, do you believe that or that's impossible? You know, you know, a lot of times I see no need to discuss anything more with them. But what I do hear from them is, you know, test it out. You know, now, I, I, you know, it depends. I, I mean, I'm not going to test out stuff just because everybody's, you know, people are doubtful. But, you know, you know, it is rewarding because a lot of times in order to test something out, I have to, I have to stretch my brain beyond the parameters. You know, I don't have a microscope or I don't have, you know, I don't have the money to send it off to the lab. So what else can I do? And, you know, there's no greater help for me than reading the history of uh, Western science between 1800 and 1900. Because they didn't have all this sophisticated equipment, and yet they came up with mind-boggling conclusions. Then I go to the museum, and I look at what indigenous people did. And they come up with some of the most mind-boggling technologies in terms of relating to their environment. And when I ask the elders of a lot of these indigenous people, they tell me they don't they don't use the same words, but they tell me a lot of times we asked nature and nature gave us the answer. So in 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 
implicit in all the spiritual pursuits. You know, I don't care how many, you know, hieroglyphs you translate or, you know, what kind of crystal you get and whatever. Please let us also have a dialogue with the universe or the universal components. You know, they are more than ready, willing, and able to assist us um, and give us guidance. They've been doing it longer. Mm-hmm. That's a terrible truth. Now, now, see, I, you know, I, I, I want to, before we go any further, I want, I want to stop right here and say, I do not want to sound too adult like here. Okay, that a great deal of the scientific pursuit is playfulness and playing. Okay, it is not that damn serious. It is. It is literally letting go of all this stuff and seeing what happens. <laughs> hey, I, I, got, I got a little story I want to tell about that very thing right there. I was, I was visiting Vermont, and, uh, man, it was late. It was summertime. I, I had a hard time on the airplane. I passed out on the airplane. Uh, they took me to the hospital. Ooh. hospital gave me a shot, almost killed me. So I finally made it to Vermont. And D-Rose said, come on, man, you need to go and get some of this moving water out here. So I got in the river, man. Oh, and I started eating some natural foods from around there. We picked some berries and some different foods. Mm-hmm. So, then I went, mm-hmm. so then I started feeling good. I wanted to go for a swim in the lake. <laughs> so, man, <laughs> the lake was looking <laughs> You know, I'm feeling really good. So the lake is, is beautiful, and I'm, 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 I'm trying out. I'm trying out. And then I, I turned around, and I panicked because I had got so far out. And I remember, man, I, I'm dehydrated. I'm going to get a cramp. So... This is mm-hmm. how powerful the mind is. And that's exactly what happened, man. I start, <laughs> I start sinking. And listen, there was a guy coming by on a boat. <laughs> he was on a little canoe, and man, he seen me struggling. Wow. I thought he was gonna come help me, man. He went. <laughs> D. Rowe can tell you he was right there. He, this dude went the other way. <laughs> so, so, so I went down. I went down. I said, "Oh man, this is it, man. I'm about to die up here in Vermont." I didn't. I didn't. You know, it's like that movie, man, where uh, the people. Barely missed death, but next time they catch it, I said, man, this is it, man. I should have died on the airplane. Right. I was saying all right. this stuff while I was underwater struggling. So then uh-huh. I, I said, this is my last few kicks, and I grabbed a rock. And I said, oh, thank God. I pulled myself over on the rock, and I sat on the rock for about 30 minutes. And D-Row was back there cracking up laughing. I mean, he almost died. He back there just rolling on the ground laughing. <laughs> and then he go, to, he go to thing I'll never forget. And don't y'all ever think I'm lying because I got a witness right here. I looked down on the rock I was sitting on, and I seen straight through the bottom of the water. It was a quartz crystal right there in the Yeah, that's right. And we even took a picture of it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. The quartz yeah, crystal that, that saved your life. <laughs> because D Row was laughing so hard, it may, it took away all that trauma that I experienced in that moment and I started uh-huh. cracking up laughing too and and the end result man I was sitting on a quartz crystal. I'll never forget it. Mm-hmm. True story. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's right. That playfulness out there and, and wilderness and resting, 
You know, it's very and 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 D. Rowe told me, E, all you had to do was stand up, man. You was only in four feet of water. So <laughs> 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 yeah, man, uh, you can't, you can, you know, your your mind is that powerful. You know, you could you could be in a, a simple situation and just lose it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, playfulness is definitely key. Yeah, I like. I will test. I testify in that story, and vice versa. You could be in a serious situation and still keep your cool and be playful. Yes. That's right. That is exactly right. Yeah, we. it's beautiful. We all have our roles to play, you know, and uh, we really appreciate your, the role that you're playing, Lester, and, and providing all your knowledge and inspiration, you know, for the family all across the world, man. We, we really appreciate your works. Well, well, I, you know, this is, this is, this is what I want to say. What I want to say is, um, I am encouraging because I know that many of the gifts and the technologies that these young people, and I'm including you people as young people, um, you, you know, not just, not just the indigo children, but, um, Many of the gifts and talents that that people are coming in with um, are not recognized at this moment, and therefore they people need encouragement to to hang in there because they're bringing they're not just bringing the technology, but they've got to, they they they've got to build a bridge to link it to to help people make that transition to these, to these, um, these other or newer ways of taking care of ourselves. So what I'm saying is, is that, um, you know, when, when I built my first pyramid and then it came time for my tax returns and on my occupation, I put, you know, magnet researcher and pyramid developer, you know, I did that as a joke, you know, um, and yet that became my occupation, you know, <laughs> who could have predicted that? Who could have foreseen that? So I'm, I'm saying that we need to also encourage each other because a great deal of the things that would are going to be considered outside of the mainstream five years from now, you know, um, you know, your news reporters are going to be talking about it or have one, you know? So things, things are moving very, very rapidly. And, um, if, if, if your soul or if you're being called to do something, you know, or in most cases you try to not do it, you know, you go in the opposite direction, you keep running into it. You know, I got to encourage you because there's something great waiting for you. Um, and uh, it, it takes just as much effort and courage to stick with it as it does to do the research, um, the research, you know, to, to, to hone whatever this technology is. You know, now, you know, when I started, uh, you know, um, there weren't that many books on pyramids. So I made my pyramids out of everything. And I was able to determine that 
most materials work, but some materials work better for some subjects than others. Um, and so the research bore that out, but it did took another 10 years of figuring out ways of communicating that to people, you know, so it's a journey. This whole thing is a journey, you know, it's, it's, and it's learning, it's learning about ourselves. It's learning that there is a, there is a, a, a higher system, you know, we're all connected to it. Now to go back to for a moment to what the brother said about the number eight, um, I always consider the number eight when it's standing up to be the hourglass, um, that the sands are flowing through and it's only a matter of time before manifestation that, you know, the upper glass is the heavens and the lower glass is the physical. Um, at the same time, I also think of the number eight as the scientific concept of entanglement, that when you have two things that have been under the same frequency, the same, you know, the same, yeah, the, the same frequency, and they get separated, they're still atomically or energetically entangled, no matter how far away th they go. Um, so that, 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 that eight, um, mm, also, for me, signifies that there is a, a link or a communication system between whatever I am doing and whatever I'm looking for. So whether it's clients or if it's data or just, you know, a place to do vacation, you know, um, that the aid helps with uh, manifestation and resonating with the like-minded forces that are out here. The aid the on its side, the infinity, is is um, what we would call, I like the way you said rest because it, it, in science we call that potential, you know, infinite potential, um, you know, that it's resting, but, you know, once it wakes, you know, anything can manifest as long as the energy is focused. So, um, and shape, of course, four, because you mentioned 44, four is interesting because it has two different symbols. You've got the open four, which um, is more linear, and uh, or, or and therefore that that represents foundation. And then you've got the closed four, you know, the angulated four, and that represents uh, uh, you know things coming out of out of from out of the blue. Uh, and so the fact that you're at the 44 means that, you know, it, part, part of your mission is to build the proper foundation from which all things that are necessary to be manifested can manifest. Man. <laughs> yes, yes, wow. man. Let's yeah, do it. Let's do it. No, go ahead, hey. No, I just got a text, and somebody wants to know what what are a few of the items that are good for building a pyramid, Lester. Say that again. Um, can you can you give us some uh, items that's good for building a pyramid? Oh, sure, sure. Okay, well, there's, there's a couple there's a couple of basic rules. Um, w the one one rule is that the more homogeneous a substance is, um, 
the more efficient it will be as a as a pyramid. So, in other words, wood is homogeneous. It's it's wood throughout. You know, you could make a pyramid out of a straw, but it's got that air gap in between. It's still going to work. It's just not, you know, as it, it could be a little bit stronger if it was solid. Um, that's 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 the rule number one. Um, rule number two is um, well, I, no, I, that should be rule number two. Rule number one is always follow your intuition. I don't care what the books say. I don't care what the science says. You know, follow your intuition. Um, now, I say that because um, back in the day, I had um, a greater burning desire than I had the finances to um, fan those flames. So, you know, what am I to do? Well, I went out and I made the stuff out of cardboard. Now, I know that I just finished saying that it's supposed to be homogeneous throughout and the cardboard has big gaps in it. But just 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 making it out of cardboard gave me ideas for when I work with other subject with other substances. Okay, I'm getting off track here. Wood is excellent for anything that's living. So a wooden pyramid would be great for living plants. It'd be great for vegetables and fruits that you bring home from the grocery store. Um, metal pyramids, of course, are great for meditating under and for um, physical healing. Uh, of course, I cannot, uh, even though this is not about materials. Oh, and, and then also, too, you know, back in the day, um, when I used to get my copper poles, you know, um, my copper, you know, copper tubes, uh, even though it wasn't homogeneous, I just filled that thing with water. Okay. Boom. There you go. Um, it, it's also true too, that when I look at nature, uh, specifically biology, I don't see anything in the human body that has metal on the outside. All the metal that I find is on the inside. And in most of nature, the metal's on the inside. So what I tell people is if you're going to get a metal pyramid, then to put something non-metallic, or in science we say dielectric, um, around it. So a lot of times my clients will get a metal pyramid, and all I do is I just get some silk, or some cotton or some wool, and I just drape it around that, that copper tube, and, it, and it, the energy level goes up, you know? It, it, on the other hand, um, regardless of what material you make your pyramid from, placing a magnet on each of the four corners, don't, do not put the magnet in the pyramid. Place it at the corners outside of the pyramid. That's to guarantee that it's always in contact with the magnetic field. Because you know, if our pyramids are inside, then there is a uh, tremendous amount of interference with all the electromagnetic waves that are happening. The other thing that I would advise is, regardless of what your pyramid material is made from, you have the advantage of of having a a base or a platform. All pyramids in Egypt were built on platforms. We still cannot explain. I don't care how many times I see that, that man on TV showing that string and that trough of water and leveling 
you know, like, all right, he just put the water and leveled it. I'm like, nigga, you, the pyramid base is 750 feet. You can't even see that far if you're standing. No, get out of here. Um, but having access to having our own platforms means that we can get a sheet of quartz or marble or any other stone and place it at the base of that pyramid. And that will help to block interfering rays from coming into it as well as energizing the the materials that are whatever you're trying to energize inside of it. String is also good too, um, depending on, you know, what you, what, what, you know, like, you're, like I said, for food, if you're growing food outside, um, glass is good too. Uh, um, all of these things, you know, it, 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 it just depends on um, your skill level and your equipment level. Because, you know, if you've got all the stain, if you've got all the workings for stained glass, then you can easily make a pyramid out of glass. If you don't, then it, it, there's a learning curve there, you know. Um, but go, get, you know, make, make, get started, you know, make it out of whatever you have. Like, like back in the day, you know, I just took hangers. And cut them and, you know, glued them together or soldered them together or just took a ball of, a small ball of clay and just stuck the things in there for the corners. So, uh, that, you know, that, that's, that's, that's how I would get, that's how I would get started. I would, I would also say, um, that whatever you read in terms of, there's a lot of literature out there that says pyramids have to be made out of metal. And, one of the reasons why they talk, what they're talking about is the fact that when you put two metals next to each other. So if I, if I, uh, if I, um, if I have copper and I coat it with silver or gold, the fact that those two metals are touching each other means that they're creating its own magnetic field. And that's what the pyramid will run on. So that's, that's where the metal thing comes from. Um, but it's you know it's it's not necessarily true that it has to be metal. Um, but as I always say, test everything out. You know when I you know people have come to me for years and said, "Oh, your pyramid has to be made out of metal." And right now, I can show you the muffins, the corn muffins that I've had in my pyramid for six months. They're still spongy and soft. My friend Ramona has a lemon that she that she that she um preserved. I mean, it stayed in the pyramid, did not rot, and she's had it for seventeen years now. You know, and that was not a wood, that was not a metal pyramid. So I know I know it's confusing, but the bottom line, you know, uh, get started. You know, think about think about the you know whatever material you you want to make it out of. Think about whatever equipment you need, um, and then also, yeah, this is the other thing I should say. The other thing I should say is, regardless of what material you make your pyramid out of, I strongly suggest that you pyramidize that material first. So when I'm going to make a pyramid out of copper rods or copper tubes. I have to make a pyramid big enough that they'll fit into first to purify them, and, and, and I clean the copper off. If it's wood, a lot of the wood these days, by law, is stained with these anti, 
um, flammable materials, which are extremely toxic, I purify that. If it's plastic, because sometimes people want me to make a plastic pyramid, I purify the plastic. It just takes longer, but it will be purified. Hmm. Lester, are you still doing pyramid consultations and, and building pyramids for folks? Uh, yes, mostly what I do now is, you know, the triangles in the corner and the, and the ionizers for the homes. But, you know, my first love is always going to be agriculture and, um, and people, a lot of people have backyards that they're not using or, and, or they're retiring and they want to have fresher food. Um, I want to, I want to start like a, 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 like a, a, uh, a pyramid gardening club or something, you know, where we all share not just pyramid information, but, you know, all kinds of gardening information and, you know, uh, heirloom seeds, um, you know, um, I didn't even talk about putting quartz in the garden. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother, that's, that's for another day. Um, but yes, I yes, I do all kinds of consultations on on whatever subject it is because I've been fortunate enough that people have brought me almost every kind of device for me to test out in order to, you know, say is this this is work on scientific principles, um, you know, how can I use it best, whatever. Um Yes, 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 I do uh, yes, I yes, I, I I do all that and and also too you know, there's many different types of pyramids. There's step pyramids as well as what we call the regular pyramid, the one that comes to a point. Um, and I make replicas of pyramids from around the world as well. Wow. Now, uh, how can people get in touch with you? If they want a consultation or, or buy one of these pyramid products? Okay. Um, well, I, I, you know, my phone number is 215 215- Six zero nine six five eight six, and generally, I like to talk with people first um, to get an idea of what they're going to use their pyramid for, what size they need, what size, what size, what space availability they have in their house. Meaning, you know, uh, you know, a lot of times people say they want it on their kitchen counter, but you know, a pyramid goes upward. So, you know, the, the cabinet might come in, you know, so we just have to work it out. Yeah. But, you know, but, uh, the pyramid, I mean, now see my, my field is practical application. However, I've had to study the pyramids from around the world. And at some other point, we'll talk about them and, and, you know, many of the things that they've discovered about the pyramids, um, which, uh, it's it's very fascinating that science science has a lot to say about pyramids. Um, for example, your 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 your, your flat screen TV. Um, the 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 thing that makes the image is thousands of little microscopic pyramids. Mm. <laughs> so is that crystals and crystals and pyramids again? Oh, hey, magnets. crystals and pyramids and bears. Oh, my. That's right. You know, <laughs> you, you are not getting away from you. are not the magnet, the crystal pyramid. You know, you're not getting away from that. You know, you're just not. 
You know, yeah. silicon, uh, quartz is is the most prevalent material on the Earth's surface. It has the highest frequency of any material on this planet. Uh, you know, uh, and and there is plenty. Of the, like, it's not like we're going to run out anytime soon. You know, so it is a material. There's this. I, I, let me say it this way. We've only tapped into about 3% of what the quartz crystal can do. So there is much, much more. There is much, much more that we need to investigate. And what this tells me is to the degree that we understand the crystal is the degree that we understand ourselves. So we've got another 95% of potential that's just waiting, dormant, resting, you know, waiting for us to jump start it and get going. <laughs> yeah, time we light the fire, you know, get this thing rolling. That's right. That's, that's hey, you know, yeah, exactly. Let let's fire, let's spark this thing up, and you know, let's let's get it on, as it were. You know, um, now I do want to, you know, I, I have this thing now where. Wherever I go, I want to build a pyramid so that when I leave, there's something left behind. And sometime this spring, I will be up in Vermont. And so I'm inviting, I will let you guys know way ahead of time. I don't even know what material I want to build it out of yet or anything like that. I, I, it might be a, a group thing, you know, like we just get together and figure out what materials are available. But I want to start building st stuff that we leave behind because, you know, all these ancient people seem to, you know, not only have the time for, you know, bathing, working, and all the other stuff they did, but in that big ass monuments. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, son? <laughs> I'm down. I'm down, Buster. Yeah, we we would love to have you, man. Like we mentioned before about our I and I studio, and we'd love to have you if we're up in if you're ever up in Vermont. You you definitely got an invite to stop swing by the studio and and I and I's with I and I. Uh, it's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's right on the river, you know. It's it's sitting on a quartz crystal foundation, so yeah, it's, wow. it's, it's right up your alley. That's right, that's right. No, no, my friends. Look, we're we're all gonna get it on. We all have talents. We're all scientific in some in in many ways, and it, part of our job is learning to appreciate everybody else's talents and abilities. You know mm -hmm. that that everybody has has many things to contribute. So, um, because that's what I see in nature, everything you know works on a on a multi dimensional level, and 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 they all work together. You know, none of this Democrat Republican stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nonsense. Right. You know, yeah. oh no, I'm I'm for the moon. No, no, I'm for Saturn. <laughs> 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 you 
Yeah, I think I think we're. I see us. I see us moving beyond that for sure. And it's that low oh, yeah. that that low vibration, man. It's it's just a it's just a distraction. We got to put that aside. Okay. And yeah, I think people are are more and more waking up, and and especially these youths, man. I'm telling you, these youths oh, are yeah. so powerful and close to the source, and and not corrupted. As long as we can keep them, uh, just yeah, keep them in our our meditations and prayers, you know, to lift them up, and in in the in the actual day to day, you know, lifting them up and letting them know who they really are. And so I mm-hmm. I, pre- I appreciate. Not only your science, Lester, but your encouraging words for us and for all the family tuning in, man. It's is necessary because we need the information, but we do need that encouragement, and I, and I really do appreciate love that. Look, these I I, I I I thank you for those words, but I know that there's so many things pulling people in so many different directions right now, and just just to hear. A, a comforting word, you know, with all the hollering and distraction, you know, it just, you know, a lot of times people here in New York City will just keep going, keep keep going, keep going. And then when they finally, when they finally come to me and they're expecting this great big metaphysical diagnosis and I'm like, rest. You know, or take a day off. Oh, I couldn't possibly do that. No, no. Just take a day for yourself. You know, get, get to know your own rhythms, and and you know, and listen. Listening is is, a, and we didn't even talk about this the the, the function of listening, um, but. Uh, you know, people think of the ear as being the hearing device. But, you know, science will tell us that the bone receives 70% of the sound. You know, we hear with, we, we hear on multiple levels. And, and I, I, thank, I thank you all for um, letting me share my enthusiasm of science. Um, I am enthusiastic because my my grandma Cindy came to see me for ten years at the end of her life, and if she could do that when she was eighty nine to ninety nine, I can surely share with people um, in this way that I don't even have to come to you, but I can still share with you. And if people want to just call and ask me a scientific question or something that they, they want to know more research about. Give me a holler as well. Wow, that's awesome, man. No, I, I do have to say, I do have to say, I have not had the time to read the article, but um, this leading scientist said that, that you know they have this, um, they have these two satellites that are observing the sun right now, and they they noticed um, that there were questions about this our sun um going through the hydrogen cycle you know like they would say that stars start off with hydrogen and make helium and then helium turns into something else and, and he noticed that you know, they weren't getting the results that they were looking for 
And so when they investigated it, they found that there was some sort of sound that was ringing our corona. The corona is the black sheet that's over the sun. And it's the ringing of the corona that's uh, promoting the atoms to uh, perform their functions inside the sun. So this is, this is a game changer because scientists now acknowledging that sound has a primary function in the way stars, the stars um, do their stuff. And so uh, what I'm, I'm only saying that to say that if we're, if we're looking at our sun differently, then we're going to see ourselves differently very soon. Wow. <laughs> Man, we, we've had a lot of wows tonight, Lester. <laughs> Man, well, on that note, I think uh I think we'll we'll go ahead and go get ourselves some rest. I know I got I know my daughter's going to be waking me up pretty early tomorrow morning, so uh Mm-hmm. Man, once again, we we give infinite thanks for your time and and for your energy and for your being, you know. And uh, yeah, I encourage everyone to to give Lester a call and and support this brethren. You know, he's been putting in the work for years, and uh, you know, true to this day, increasing that works. Every, seems like day day to day, you know, I see the increase. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I give thanks for that works, that inspiration, man, and uh, and just for your energy. You, you bet you by golly well, my friends. <laughs> All right, yeah, we, we look forward to linking up in person, Brendan. I, I see that happening. Yeah, give us a call, you know, well in advance, coming up here in the spring. and, and uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I see this as part one, you know. I look forward to part two. That's right. That's right. All right, on that note, we're going uh, to move into a couple more healing tones. Family, give thanks for tuning in and being a part of this beautiful night with us. Uh, once again, you've been tuning in to Jowworks Radio. You can check us out at the podcast, jowworksradio.com. All the uh, podcast providers, you got any comments, questions, requests, you know, in terms of music, always hit us up, jowworksradio at gmail.com. Uh, 44 Parallel Superfoods is our company. We got the Healing Chaga and the Maka. And uh, actually, speaking of that, Lester, I want to send you a care package. So I'll give you a shout. So I'm going to get your address. So we're going right. to send out some. Yeah, we're going right. to send you out some some of our our product. We 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 harvest a lot of products, you know, wild in the forest. So want to send you some Excellent. of that. Yeah. So family, once again, until next week, we wish everyone a bliss, blissful week, you know, and much love and light. Lester, loving, big up yourself, Ross E, one love. And until next week, everyone, 44.